director. All right, director, can you? I don't know about new director. <laughs> I'm just trying to help things go smooth, though. I feel like that's what a director does. I think I think in actual movies, directors make things go less smoothly. Yeah. Well, they do. The producer's there to make the, here, here the, yeah, that isn't that the way the the labor works. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay, Kendon's the producer. That's what you want to be anyway. Yeah, I just like to whip things together. Well, speaking of together, we're together. Back at Made in the 80s, podcast about the 80s by people who were made in the 80s. I'm Shalia, and we have... Kim. And Kendon. Happy second week into November, guys. How are you feeling? I'm doing okay. It's better than last week. Yeah? Yeah. 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 Better than last week. All of that indecision. <laughs> I don't know about that. That didn't bother me as much as just I feel so relaxed right now. And I I didn't feel that last week or in <laughs> many of the weeks that were before that either. So feels good yeah. to have just some, you know, breathing some <laughs> deep inside air. <laughs> okay, so what are we talking about this week? This week. We're talking about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade in honor of the late Sean Connery. Yes. I think it was a perfect movie to be doing this week and a perfect movie to be doing in honor of him. So I'm really glad, Kendon, that you pitched that. This movie, they actually ride off into the sunset. Yeah. I was like, this could be the end of a lot of different movies. It's not what I would have expected here. But friends, we will talk about it in a little bit. I will put the timestamp in the show notes. But first, we we need to connect. First, let's find out what's going on. Is there anything new? What's the news? The news. Uh, a big rest in peace to Alex Trebek who passed. Oh. <laughs> it seems like we're doing this more and more often every episode. But uh, Alex Trebek, who hosted Jeopardy um, in its entirety, I don't think they had another host. Well, actually, do you know the year that he started? No. It was 1984. I think there was a host before. There was? Really? Well, the show is older than 1984. Yeah. The Jeopardy oh. I know and love. Yeah. And he was beloved by many. My first memories of Jeopardy was watching it with my great-grandmother. Uh, sitting on the edge of her bed, we watched, routinely we watched Jeopardy. I would watch episodes of Matlock while I was on school break or... Tour de France and tennis, lots of tennis. Um, but Jeopardy is one of the shows that we watched a lot in her house, and I love Jeopardy. I learned a lot, and just it seemed all the outpouring after his passing, you know, I think spoke to his character, how much people appreciated and loved him, the way he carried himself, not only as a game show host, but you know, as a celebrity and as a person. So sad to see him go. I have a similar um, concept in terms of like growing up with Jeopardy. Um, mine is that my grandparents um, don't speak English that well or didn't. And so they love Wheel of Fortune. That's mm-hmm. like their show every night, Wheel of Fortune. And Jeopardy always follow Wheel of Fortune. And so we always watch it and um, and watch Jeopardy after. And it's so funny, right? Because I don't know about for you guys, but stuff that I really should know, I always get wrong. Like, I'm really bad at Jeopardy. But Alex uh, Trebek, like, never never makes you feel dumb. <laughs> like, no. He just, he was just so gracious and friendly. Um, 
especially right coming after um, Pat Sajak because he's not the nicest yeah. to the guests. But Alan Shrek just always seemed genuinely like a nice guy. Just kind of the right guy to to host this intellectual almost game show. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, um, I have a similar experience to both of you. This would be with my grandmother who loved baseball and game shows. And I have a lot of memories of watching different game shows, especially throughout the day. Um, there was a game show channel, I think, at one point that she would watch. And it was interesting that it was kind of like Jeopardy was the peak of the of the afternoon or of the evening. Right. Like throughout the day, it might be Press Your Luck or, or any of these other game shows. And then Wheel of Fortune is kind of like the big one. And then like the crown jewel yeah. is Jeopardy. That's the way it feels like to me. You're so right. Like the price is right is in there and you're, you are, you're doing like this uh, supermarket sweep. You're doing all these other games all day, family feud. Mm-hmm. But at some point you make it, you make it into the wheel of fortune Jeopardy hour. And yeah, you kind of have, I mean, I would think a lot of people would probably have a couple of tiers in their, in their, uh, what do you say? In their list of game shows. And that is the top tier. You're not wrong. I think, um, Tim, your point is probably well taken that we are probably going to continue to have these, right? Like, it seems like more and more. And that's part of what happens with aging is we're a lot of the folks that we know and love from the 80s will continue to leave us. Um, it's not even this is from the 80s for me. Like, I thought about this when Prince passed away, like. I don't know a world without Prince. Yeah. I didn't, I don't know a world without Alex Trebek. Like, I don't know what that's like. I don't, he's always been a part of my life. So we're at the age where we're losing people who have been a part of our life since as far as we can remember. And that's, that's tougher to grapple with for me. Like man, these people who've been sort of staples in my childhood and my adulthood are gone. And that's it for them. For, you know, the, the memories stop here. There's no more new memories of this person. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's do you know? Works. Do you know if they have any sort of like um, celebration or memorial planned? Uh, they're going to keep airing the shows. They're going to keep airing the shows until I think around Christmas is the last one with him. Yes. Well, rest in peace. Oh man. Okay. Other news. That's um really. Have, you do. I have like little news. Go ahead. Well, I just saw that Johnny Depp apparently because he lost his lawsuit against that newspaper, The Sun. Mm-hmm. So he had filed a libel lawsuit against them for calling him a wife beater, and mm-hmm. he lost. And apparently, that is what <laughs> was too much for the Harry Potter folks to keep him in Fantastic Beasts. So. I think yesterday he, or, or it was like within a couple of days ago, he officially gracefully um, stepped out of Fantastic Beasts 3 at the request of the creators or producers mm-hmm. or studio or whatever you call them um, because of uh, him. Yeah, they didn't want him associated with the project. Um, I thought it? that was interesting, but I was also like, why did the newspaper losing a libel suit to a newspaper do it and not actually being a wife beater? Well, it probably depends on what came out, what came out during that libel suit. May have been the reason why. Hmm. Well, that's a good point. Well, yeah, if he lost it, then they maybe gave some evidence that calling him a white feeder was 
actually <laughs> true. It was accurate. Good point. Good point. <laughs> Maybe before that, you'd be like, allegedly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now it's official. Now it's official. So don't know who um, they are going to recast because he's he's a pretty central role. But I saw... Yeah. Um, God, what is that guy's name? Maz Nicholson. Bad guy. Yes, him. What is he in that he's a bad guy? Uh, <laughs> it feels like everything he's in. Casino Royale, oh, he yeah, was the he sheep. Bleeds, he bleeds yeah. tears. Or... And he's also in Hannibal, yeah. which I know you were not watching when I was watching. No, it was Casino Royale. That is exactly what I was thinking. But listen, he's a great Hannibal. Like, I don't want to, you know. He's got a, one of those great, like, face-voice combinations. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, he does. He's, he's a fan. And he's a good replacement. If they're going to replace him, that's, I think that's perfect. I, I, whoa. I'd actually say he almost seems too scary for children. <laughs> I mean, these, have you watched these movies, Kendi? I saw the first, uh, are you talking about the new uh, Fantastic Beast? Fantastic Beast. I saw the first one, but not the second. I feel like they are scary. I don't see the second one. Scared. But yeah. You say don't bother with the second don't one? Don't bother with the second one. <gasps> I liked it. I watched it on an airplane, though. It's an, air, it's, it's an airplane movie. <laughs> yeah, I think from now on, whenever Shalita says she likes a movie, she should also say whether or not she watched it on an airplane. Yeah, I think that's a fair rule. Okay, Tim, did you say you have a little bit of news? A little bit of news. Uh, Kendon, The Outsiders did not get renewed by HBO. But oh, no. They're hoping it finds another home. Who do you think could... Netflix? AMC. I feel like it could be a great AMC show. Yeah, but Amazon, maybe who knows? AMC did um, The Walking Dead, right? Yeah, the, yeah, and it's various spinoffs. Yeah, so I mean, the gorier aspects of it could still be there. Yeah, Loki, a series that we've seen zero <laughs> clips of, is already been renewed for a second season on Disney Plus. <laughs> so somebody's seen it. No, they have any content. Like the numbers of COVID are spiking, and they're like, "Yeah, we're gonna yeah. be inside for a while." Content. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's gonna be a minute before we're out in the open one more time. Well, you yeah. know that that also comes with kind of a a benefit, maybe not an expected benefit of you have an idea now that you're gonna get a follow up to the story. You're not, you know, at least for right. one season before you go into this show that. You're gonna get two seasons worth of story, not a cliffhanger necessarily. Right, we like that. Good to see how it ends. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope I hope it does get picked up for for you all's sake. Yeah. Any other news? Uh, there was something else, and I can't seem to remember what it was. But um, yeah, that's it. Not not a whole bunch of news this week. Uh, movies are starting to open up again. They're starting to push. A lot of stuff on my end with screenings and it's award season so you're gonna see a lot of coverage from people for stuff you may not have seen in the theaters or on streaming um it's still a full war season so cool. oh and also uh, the, i don't know if you guys watch scary stories to tell in the dark i did not but i happened to watch a youtube video talking about it that's getting a sequel which i i kind of low-key enjoyed it for like a pg-13 kids horror kind of thing it worked it was scary but not like terrifying and it was entertaining and it stuck true to like those old stories and they, they found a very inventive way to, to weave these stories into the movie that didn't feel forced 
Did they in did well, they include the spiders in the face story? Yes. That was the the quite possibly the most terrifying thing I could I yeah. remember from there and those books were really well known for the art. Yeah. Right? The creepiest art that you maybe have ever seen and disturbing the picture for that was <laughs> so disturbing. Like I think it's okay for kids to see freaky stuff like 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 kind of scary stuff to you know uh, to to better be protected when I was going to say like creepy stuff, you know, just because it kind of helps build up that mm, character, character, that part of your character. Resilience. Fear. I guess this is a long way of me saying that that was too freaky for any child to have ever seen. (laughs) I did too much build up, but the point is that that was the creepiest like thing. I, it would stick in my mind. It was so scary. Now to to be fair, they're leaning into an article I read. They're leading into the artwork. For the second film, so you're gonna get more creepy visuals in the sequel. You know what would be an interesting thing for them to do is something almost uh, Sin City like, where there it's even more like kind of sketchy on the on like it's almost partly done in ink. I think that mm-hmm. would be a really cool idea for creepy. considering how much that that art impacted those stories. Right. Was this a cartoon? No, it was live a action. Live action. So why was there art involved? For like, like, I don't like. You'll see, like, like there was concept art for for. You guys watch. You haven't watched Mandalorian. There's concept art that they took from an older Star Wars thing they did that they ended up using in the Mandalorian last episode. Right. So and it it stayed true to kind of the art. So I think they're gonna try to stay true to the art in the film for these creepy character designs. So which they did in the first um I I recognized some of the characters from the book that they had yeah kind of teleported into real life. It's done the the clickly clankety man, whatever he is. Yeah. yeah. Look he looked real creepy. Okay. Um this isn't news, but by the time this comes out, we'll have already had Veterans Day. So mm-hmm. happy Veterans Day to all of our veterans. And I was wondering, should we do a Veterans Day tribute? Like, because we can still watch it on Veterans Day, even if we're recording it later. We could do Private Benjamin. I haven't heard of it, but it's uh, with Meg Ryan. She's a lady in the army or military. It's like something like she thinks she's going to a spa or she thinks she's signing up for something and she ends up in the military. Something like that. Anyway, what do you guys think? I, I like how opposite our ideas were because I was going to recommend Born on the Fourth of July. Well, we could do that too. <laughs> I think like, those are light. yeah. yeah I was say, those are on the of... opposite end of the spectrum. Yeah, let's if we could go light. I think that would be nice for for this year. But yeah, what do you guys think? Private that sounds Benjamin? great. Yeah, works. Okay. Awesome. So we know what we'll be watching next week. What have you guys been watching this week? What have you been up to? Listening to reading. Kenan, what have you been up to? Um, so there's two things. One, I watched, uh, the most recent Saturday night live with Shalia with, uh, Dave Chappelle doing the opening monologue I did, and a stand-up set. It felt like it was two different things, but, um, wow. Did you, you watch it, Tim? I did. He hit on all topics. Um, I, I was even, I was laughing really hard and I also felt really awkward and multiple times. Yeah. And also, I feel like it really demonstrates that 
he really appreciates he can smoke wherever he wants and nobody's going to tell him to stop. Yeah. It definitely was a comedy vibe. I was just like, wait, no, this is SNL. It's not. <laughs> well, you see that when, when Bill Bard did it a couple weeks ago, same thing. He kind of does a stand up while he's up there. It's yeah. Natural than that someone writing a monologue for you to repeat. Like, you, this is what you do. This is in your blood. You've been doing stand up since you were 19. Well, as I was watching it, I was starting to get this like feeling of dread. I was like, oh, this isn't a stand up. It's going to stop soon. Oh, <laughs> I was like, I you can got go like three, another 45 minutes of this. You got like three solid minutes and then he's out. But yeah. yeah, it was fun. It was a, um, did you watch the SNL from this last weekend? I did. Did you see the Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben? Yes, that was so good. And Kate McKinnon so is, is Mary Giuliani and Giuliani was hilarious. Yeah, she's, she's great at him. <laughs> um, yeah, we did watch that. Um, Anything else you've been doing, Kendon? We also watched Hunters. We did watch Hunters. Hunters on Amazon. It's on Amazon. Um, I don't think I would... I can say that it's a good show as much as it's a show that I've really wanted to finish. Mm -hmm. And so that's weird. Like, it constantly was doing things that kind of let me down. Or I was just like, this is ridiculous. Um, But the story was still had its hooks in me. Mm -hmm. And... I think its premise is really ridiculous. The characters um, are mostly pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, it just kind of, I think it ties in a bit to what we'll be watching, right? Which is Nazis are just going to Nazi. They're just going to have evil plans wherever they are in time, apparently. Yeah. And uh, that's about as much as I'll say since it's a new, it's a relatively new show. Mm-hmm. But it's goofy. And I think you have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's a little over the top, but I enjoyed it. He says a little. But it starts <laughs> that way, right? Like it's a really Oh yeah. It opens over the top. Exactly. So they they tell you from the beginning, like, this is what you're watching. And so you're you're kind of like, all right, you're in or out. Um and it's true. It's funny because like there's nobody I'll I'll just say for myself, there's no one I like. There's no characters that I feel connected to. And I'm like, yeah, cheering for anyone. I'm just like I'm I'm irritated with a lot of decision making and, and behaviors. I think that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah. But but I fully participated in this watch. Like I was like, yep, let's let's keep going. We're gonna finish Hunters. Like that's that's what we're gonna do. So So whatever Al Pacino is doing in that role is really just something special it's just it's really ridiculous the way they've made him up and given him so many of these mannerisms that are so different to what you expect from him that um i think it's worth just watching that for a while i don't know i mean it kind of reminded me a lot of the godfather so i was like it wasn't too much of a stretch for me but really yeah but the thing that i found yeah because he's just like (laughs) i did not see I mean, uh, 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 I would have so thought rich. I would have thought maybe uh, uh, Tony uh, Montana, uh, as far as you know, being a different basically ethnicity culture that right. he that he took on. But no, I wasn't thinking the Godfather. I was. <laughs> That's how he seemed like to me. But the thing, the other thing I really liked about it, it was like it's over the top, but it's so close to truth. Like it weaves yeah. in a lot of the facts that we do know, like Nazis in NASA, and like remember Kenan was talking about that documentary. Um, the monster next door like mm-hmm. it brings in it brings in elements that we know to be true and so it's like it's over the top but it's also it's just fun it's like historical fiction kind yeah. of book almost um, a little guilty pleasure yeah well and like there's some point where 
there's this like comment made and Kenan just starts laughing. And he's like, so basically Nazis are responsible for everything bad that has ever happened. (laughs) (laughs) Nazis killed the dinosaurs too, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Which means they invented time travel and then misused it. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a fun, it was fun. Anything else you want to say that you did? No, not right now. All right, I'll go next. Um, I watched a lot of CNN, so I don't usually watch. <laughs> I wouldn't recommend that. <laughs> I don't usually watch news. Um, we don't have like live cable. We don't have CNN. Um, right. But I had it on my laptop, and it. I started it on last week Tuesday, and it was on twenty four seven, not oh, seven no. days, but it was on the entire time on mute. So I had, I had CNN on mute. I had the AP. Um, the Associated Press um, updates refreshing every 30 seconds. And then I had whatever I had on the TV as like something to keep me calm. So I'm watching like the Queen's Gambit and stuff like that. And then when I'm and I'm watching CNN and when I see that they've got, you know, a key key race alert or whatever, I'll I'll turn it off mute and listen to what they're going to say. Um, yeah. But what's funny is like it was <laughs> it's set up at the top like you are you are previewing premium content. And it took me a couple of days to realize that like. I don't have a CNN subscription, but they must have made it free and accessible to non-subscribers last week Um, or subscribers or like our cable package doesn't cover it. And so I laughed because like they were giving me a lot of commercials like, hey, CNN is pretty great, by the way, we're giving you this preview. But it's funny because I saw it and didn't really think anything of it until I went to turn to it on Sunday. I think I was like, what's an update? And it was off. I can't watch it anymore. You're not missing anything. That was really funny. I was like, okay, well, how's Georgia doing? <laughs> <clears throat> I made a decision after Trump was elected not to, watch the, not to consume news the way I had previously because I knew what it would do to my psyche. So I, I still read it. I listen to podcasts to give me news. I'm very much informed. But the the weight lifted of like the constant doom and gloom. Like I tuned into election coverage. I was like, I can't do this every day. I don't know how people do it. It's such a, it's meant to get your heart rate and blood pressure up every five seconds. And I can't. I recommend. I, people, I can't do it. I recommend my method. I, Tim, I'm with you. I stopped watching the news when I was a freshman in college. Like in 2001, I was like, uh, daily show is how I will get my news. And that's it. Um, but I will say the way that I did this, was great like I never I people around me were really stressed but I never felt that like I didn't have the anxiety or the it was like give me the information and I was watching it but like I think it really helps to have it on mute is what I'm saying like I only turned it off mute to hear um like the secretary of state in Nevada speak or like to get these updates but I did not I did not listen to it and it it went just fine what were you going to say, Kendon? Uh, I was just going to say to Tim, she looked kind of like that scene in Watchmen where Ozymandias is standing in front of all of those screens. <laughs> <laughs> Everything that's happening in the world. Shalia's got the world. something like five screens and her eyes are moving between. Is five? Is that? That's me something, something like what she has, yeah. Having games on my laptop and my TV at the same time and checking scores on my phone. That's Do you ever, exactly. yeah, sometimes when there's a load screen on a game that's going to take more than like 15 seconds, I start playing a game on my phone. I mean, I did take, I took Wednesday off, so I was able to do nothing but stare at it 
Um, but aside from that, I was also working. But I did take breaks to be like, uh, sorry, I need to listen to this. Um, anyway, lots of CNN. The other thing I did, um, again, like I said, CNN was on mute and I was watching on the TV other stuff to keep me happy and my heart rate down. Um, per Tim's request, I watched Holiday. No, sir. I don't like it. You didn't Tim. find it hilarious? No, it was oh, awful. I I, it's not a good, I didn't say it was a good movie. I found it, it wasn't. <laughs> no, I like both of them. Like, I, they were assholes. Like I didn't oh, like either of them. I yeah, didn't them I should have warned you. They're not likable people. No, I was just yeah. like, at, at some point you're supposed to be like, okay. But like, no, I did not like either of them. I didn't. Yeah, no. Mm-mm. Sorry. I did yeah. not like it. They're not like okay. it. Mm-hmm. But Kendon was spared that because I watched it without him. Um, but I am interested in a couple more that I've seen, though, that are coming out. The, the holidays are coming, basically. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing that a one lot with of them. Vanessa Hutchinson, where she plays like a princess and another person. That, that sequel's coming out. <laughs> sure. They're still making movies about, about normal people becoming princesses. It's like in the modern world. <laughs> Listen, these movies, especially when they wrap them around Christmas, these movies rack in viewers because people just need something, some feel good stuff to watch and people consume them at a very high rate. Hey. So, you know, who does that is um, I have two aunties in, in Georgia who watch what the Hallmark Channel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They just watch the Hallmark Channel all day and it's very positive. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Lifetime is not, but Hallmark is. Yeah, I've been consuming these movies. The greeting card company. Just watching them. Just like, what's the premise? Oh, the guy is a coal miner, and he's trying to do something for his son for Christmas, and he meets another single mom, and they they bond together. It's, you know, it's whatever. You throw Christmas and a family and love, and it works. It is weird, though, the whole COVID thing. So Queen's Gambit, when they're playing, they have, like, there's a lot of, like, you shake hands before you start to play. Mm-hmm. And then, like, you hit the clock to start and stop the time and like just things like that. I'm like, don't touch. Yeah. When, don't does, touch. It, when does it take place? <laughs> Did you see the end of the Notre Dame game the other day? Mm-mm. It made me cringe. It was so Notre Dame beat Syracuse. I mean, I'm sorry, Clemson. Now Clemson starting quarterback is out because of COVID. Trevor Lawrence, he's going to be the number one pick in the draft when he gets out, right? So Notre Dame upsets them and they rushed the field. Like all of these students, and these wait, four- they have they have spectators there. Yes, it was like watching like a, a, a someone get swarmed by a bunch of like murder hornets. I was like, why are they all on the field? Like this is not just the opposite. It looks so bad, and you know, Indiana, their cases are going crazy. You're seeing all these kids bouncing around. I was like, no, they can't be okay with this. If someone has to be like, all right, look, we should, probably shouldn't have done this on national television on a Saturday night. And uh, nobody anticipated this, huh? Well, I'm just surprised they would have... Why would they have fans in the stands? Like, especially kids. They're not... Especially wow. those I think about it, I mean, I mean, rushing the, the field might have already been bad, but two yeah. hours in whatever the weather is like right now in Indiana... <laughs> Just in those stands, bumping and moving around, that might be is as bad as the as rushing the field yeah. is. And, it, and it was paired with all these numbers about the cases in their state going crazy. 
Yeah. I came out earlier in the day. So then you see all these kids and you're just like. No, that's awful. Did you one? Um, it reminds me of the joke, though, on SNL when he's like, it was a red wave. Haven't you seen the map? It's like covered in red. And they're like, oh, that's the COVID map. I saw that. I've got a question for you, Sue. That's your fault. You really liked uh, college football. Could you imagine, like, do you think maybe you would have just risked it at that age? Like, imagine losing an entire season of Husky football. I I care about people too much. Like, it depends on how it's being messaged to me and I don't know in Indiana how the kids are hearing about it but like I know here there's no way because I would have had a lot of people around me saying this is this is unsafe and again like my mom has always had disability right so I've always had to worry about not exposing her in college I had two grandparents that were I mean I I had four grandparents but two that I was like helping take care of like I've always had too many people that I would want to be able to yeah, be I think around it's not for. nearly as good a hypothetical with your example or with Washington state, because, you know, our football isn't nearly as open as what is going on apparently. And and, and, and it's, it's not the, the sort of religion it is in other places. Yeah. One of my friends, Steven, he went to uh, Ohio state for grad school. So I go out to visit him one year and it's just, a, it's a different thing for them for Ohio state football. It, it consumes people. It was, it was people consuming college football in a way they felt unhealthy. <laughs> you get it. You're like, okay, I get it. You're out here and you're in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden this cathedral pops up and it's this college stadium and everyone sort of prays to the altar at that college stadium and that's it's life. And I mean, that's, here it's not that. It's not that here. That's the thing a lot of ancient civilizations left behind, right? It would be their churches and their, uh, their gaming yeah. st- stadiums of the day. Yeah, still around. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so that's what we've been doing at Club South End. Tim, what have you been up to? You guys, speaking of Nazis, I watched <laughs> called Blood Vessel. Now, Blood Vessel, the plot of Blood Vessel is these people are on a boat and they show up, World War II, there's a boat, it's a Nazi boat. They have to get on it because they're in the middle of nowhere. This boat is just drifting. They get on there, they find out the crew is dead. Um, but what? The crew, the crew is murdered, and they find uh, coffins and vampires in there. Oh, vampires! One of them got loose and sort of murdered the crew. Um, now where this movie gets really dumb is Ken is gonna love this. It's just people doing very, very stupid things, splitting up on this gigantic boat to find vampires by themselves. No one's really sticking together. No one's really working as a team. Um, and the but the vampires look so stupid. Did you guys ever watch The Strain? It's funny that you're saying that. What's the name of the show? The Blood Vessel. Blood Vessel. That's how, that's how The Strain begins. At least the book, that's how it yes. begins, is they're yes. shipping vampires like across the uh the Atlantic. Atlantic. Yeah. So this is what happens if somebody finds those vampires. Yeah. So, but the the the, the vampires look so stupid. That they're so dumb. It's like all these big prosthetics and long fingers. It was hard to take them seriously as like 
I would have laughed in his face. Like, are you supposed to kill me? <laughs> like, why do you look like this? Um, they do this thing with their eyes, with their eyes glow, and they're and it, here's the thing they do, right? And you've seen this in other horror movies where you're on a boat, middle of nowhere, World War II, and the vampires are playing with people's minds, and this woman thinks she sees her son. Like, you know damn well your son's not on a ship in the middle of the <laughs> Why are you like, Bobby, is that you? And you're following after Bobby in the like, that's a good point. That's a that's a trope used in a lot of shows oh where people are, are are like that person who in no practical way could be located where we are. They must be here. Yeah. I must follow them. Like, yeah. Why is Christy jump rope in the middle of the Atlantic? <laughs> it's not. Or maybe it's the vampire who's been doing supernatural shit the whole movie. I don't know. <laughs> so there's that. Then I watch a very dumb. Wait, 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 Tim. Yeah. Do you recommend it? No. Oh, okay. I do not recommend it. But if you if you're up to watching a very silly, if you love vampire movies, it might be your thing. They just do they do too much dumb stuff, and they kill the black dude first. He dies first. I was like, hey, this black guy's you know he's got some comedic timing. Dead. I was like, right. <laughs> he's dead. So Amazon has a series of movies. They're called Dead Rising. There's Dead Rising, Watchtower, and Dead Rising Endgame. Dead Rising is about this virus, the zombie virus, and this guy's a reporter, and he's trying to get a story. So he goes to report it, and while he's behind this portion of the city that's sort of walled off because of zombies, there's a zombie outbreak. And now they think it's airborne, and he's trying to make it back across to save himself before they nuke the city. It is so dumb and so ridiculous. The zombies are sometimes they're fast zombies, sometimes they're slow zombies. He doesn't seem to think he needs a weapon in this zombie world. Um, then there's like a gang, a biker gang that's like ruling this, the, the infected zone. And they're just doing, it's like Mad Max. Like if you put Mad Max in the middle of like a city with this, you know, they're running around like a gang of Mad Max just doing whatever they want because there's just zombies around and there's no law and order. And I'm, now I'm king. It was so ridiculous. It was so ridiculous that I watched the sequel. <laughs> I was like, where is this going? <laughs> I gotta see where this ends. Because it's so dumb. And the sequel is like they're putting chips in people and like tracking them. And that was the whole zombie thing was a government conspiracy and governments involved. And it turns into like a straight up action film where he's essentially trying to stop the zombie outbreak. It's so dumb. So dumb. you like dumb zombie films. And you just have three hours worth of your time. It's a, it's a great double feature for you. So I don't know um, if I mentioned this like two weeks ago when I actually watched it um, around Halloween. But mm-hmm. there's a really good um, kind of series of documentaries, like YouTube documentaries, I think, by PBS on zombies, on the history of zombies. It's like a three or four I did four see part. I saw it on my YouTube. Yeah, it was actually really interesting, a lot of fun. So um, if people are into zombies watching these ridiculous yeah. movies also – this PPS documentary. Yeah. Actually, real, real crazy. didn't you uh, learn, Kendon, because um, we did Day of the Dead and you were saying that like those virus, those zombies were not virus zombies or something like that. And like you watched that and then learned a little differently. Yeah. Um, I think for Day of the Dead, I had thought of them as more of an infected sort mm-hmm. of zombie. But once I watched the movie and realized all these Romero zombies, they're like slow and they it's not like a bioweapon got out that's not how they seem to operate like other movies do like uh 
28 days later, I think is, is the, just like you were talking about, it's the government is involved. And, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that all you've been doing, Tim? <laughs> Other than that, I'm, I'm good. I haven't been watching any more bad movies. Okay. I need a bad movie to watch. Oh, well, you could watch a holiday dates because I holla hated it. It's not you hated it. it I mean, you hated the character. Which, I hated it. <laughs> it's hard to get in the movie when you hate the characters. I guess, yeah. I yeah, it might be that because it was like I'd rather rewatch the Notebook. Maybe not. Maybe the not. Notebook makes me, ends with me sad. This movie did not make me feel sad, so maybe that's the situation. Oh, Kendon, are we going to save the thing that made us really sad till next week? I guess we will. We'll save that for next week. Yeah. We finished Deep Space Nine completely. Oh. It didn't make us sad. It made her sad. The ending or the fact that you're done with it? The ending was was that that sort where it's like, uh, this. remember the good times, you know, remember the different things that happened over the episodes for this character and this character as they say goodbye. Um, there so, was definitely a half hour of goodbye. Yeah. I cried. I was sad. But I don't know. Is, is that sad? Because also it was so like, I don't know, uplifting. No, I was sad. Oh, OK. <laughs> sad is the descriptor. All right. Are you guys ready to go back to the 80s? Yeah. Ready. Okay, so let's do trivia and we're going to do it in the um in the method of Jeopardy in honor of Alex Trebek. Are you guys ready? Ready. Ready. All right. Stripe is the scary little villain finally vanquished by daylight in this 1984 movie. What is Gremlins? Correct. And the answer is on this kids show where Lewis and Maria married in 1988 with help from a little red furred ring bearer. <laughs> oh, what is were. Sesame Street? That's correct. The ring bearer was Elmo, of course. Oh. Um, Dolly Parton worked these business hours according to her 1981 chart topper. What is nine to five? Correct. This Caddyshack star and baseball fan invested in a number of minor league baseball teams starting in the early 90s and, I'm sorry, 1980s and since. I don't know. Who stars in Caddyshack? Bunch of people. What is Bill? What is your... Who is John Candy? Nope. Who is Boomer? Correct. This organizational folder system featured a three-ring binder and was sold by the Mead Corporation. What is a trapper keeper? That's correct. All right. Uh, This is a bonus question. It's the Stranger Things uh, question that we usually skip. (laughs) It's spooky. Okay. This is where Dustin originally found the baby Demogorgon. What is a tra- garbage? Right? I was going to say what. Oh, it is where he, yeah, what he's right. Say it again, Tim. What is the garbage can? Uh, correct. It's a trash can. Trash can. For some reason, Mark? I thought it was at the dump, but that's just where they, oh, they spent a lot of time. Because he, he was by himself at his house and he was keeping it a secret. Yeah. And then he 
ate the cat and he was like, I don't like you anymore. But then he did love him because he he ended up eating the nugget. He liked the the nugget in the the in the does three musketeers have nugget? It's all nugget. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, that is their 80s trivia. Are we ready to go on the last crusade? We are. We're about to complete a great quest. The Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. For some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior, the quest for the grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones boys. Nazis. I hate these guys. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. (laughs) All right. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The third in the series. Mm -hmm. 1989. Someone said the final movie because they don't recognize the Crystal Skull. But yeah. I don't because I never saw it. It's, it's, a, it's on Netflix. You know what? I said earlier, I need a bad movie to watch. I'll watch oh. that really bad movie with you. Real love. My friend went to go see Crystal Skull. Like No one had known what it was about yet. And he went with his, like, his job, like, bought out a theater, and I went to go see it. And he texted me. He was so mad. <laughs> that's the worst afternoon at work ever that jungle scene is worse than a lot of video games it's pretty bad that's too bad but what's not bad is the last crusade because it's awesome who oh wait let's before we go into it tim who made this movie and was in it directed by steven spielberg written by jeffrey bohm and four other people story by george lucas Tim. I've never understood story by. That does not mean they wrote the script then, because no. there's the writers. The what does story by mean? Sorry to interrupt. I have no idea what that means. I imagine you created the story, you didn't write the script. Like, well, story. Here's a rough outline of the story, and someone says, "I can punch this up and make it a screenplay." So is it like maybe like um, storyboarding? Maybe. Okay. I, I just always wondered that. We'll find out. Now, the question I have is story by, didn't you say, Kendon, like, this is considered the action part, like, version of Star Wars? I mean, I think I, that's how I think of it. And I think there's other people, Tim, you know, kind of how this is based off of, like, the, the I think, radio or television serials that um, George Lucas and um, Steven Spielberg grew up watching, right? That's what Star Wars was, um, like, um, Flash Gordon kind of. And so this is kind of more the adventure on Earth version of those same sort of stories. Correct. The, they always had a great announcer. Yeah. So it's okay. starring... Who else is in it? Harrison Ford. Or who else made it? <laughs> yeah, Harrison Ford is Indiana Jones, obviously. Sean Connery plays Professor Henry Jones. Uh, you're missing the other Indiana Jones. The young Indiana Jones... River Not Phoenix. I think he's just going in. I think River he's just going Phoenix. in order. Shalia. I'm just, I'm just going Indiana in order. Jones. Just going, going in order. But this does lead to a young Indiana Jones television show that was very popular. Um, Allison Doobie is Elsa. Uh, Denholm Elliott is Marcus. Jonathan Reese Davis as Salah. Julian Glover is Walter, and River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones. Can I give you a bit of trivia, Shalia? Guess how River Phoenix ended up on this? 
Harrison Ford liked him. Harrison Ford did like him because he had played his son in a previous movie. I don't recall the name of the movie right now, but he had already played his son. And he also thought that out of all of the different actors that he looked the most like he did, uh, Harrison Ford did when he was a child. And he had all the mannerisms of him, too, which is really great. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. River Phoenix was for, for, like my crush. I loved him so much after Stand By Me. Like for for people who don't who aren't aware of who River Phoenix is, do you want you mind filling them in? River Phoenix was a great youth actor in the eighties who died tragically, untimely, tragic death. And by tragically, isn't it a drug overdose? Drug overdose. Yeah. And um, brother. And later, Joaquin. yeah, and then. Fast forward 20, not 20 years, but a good 15 years, all of a sudden, we have Joaquin Phoenix come along into the movies. I was introduced to him in Gladiator, and he's his brother. But River was, yeah, that was my heart. And I didn't, I, I didn't realize that this movie had the young Indiana Jones elements in it. I just didn't remember that at all. So it was a lovely treat. So do you want to talk about the plot of this film? Sure. So this film is, it follows the last two films, but it doesn't tell us, you know, how close in time we are followed. But it starts with the young Indiana Jones on a a Boy Scout trip, and he sees some people uh, digging into a cave and taking its treasures. And at this young age, he said, that belongs in a museum. And so he, it's like a Cortez cross. And so he steals the cross and then gets chased by the people trying to get the cross. <laughs> yes, Kendon? If it helps at all. Uh, the young Indiana Jones part of this movie takes place 26 years before this. And this takes year, takes place two years, I think two years after Raiders of the Last Ark. It's 1938, apparently. Yeah. So... Um, he is chased and we'll talk about the chasing so i'll skip it all but it's it's incredible and makes it home to have the sheriff show up with the adults and they say that's ours you have to give it back to us and so he has to hand over the cross meanwhile his dad is there off screen and he's like dad dad this thing and he's like go away you're interrupting and so he doesn't have his dad dad his his dad doesn't have his back um so then fast forward 20 years and you've got him on a ship in the middle of the ocean, and he is still pursuing that cross. And this is when we are yeah, brought back into modern day. So if Kendon says it's two years after the last movie, that's where we are. And he's in this like crazy storm with water just splashing over the boat. And it's really incredible. And he gets the cross back. And then next thing we know, he's back in class on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh yeah, he he is providing the cross to the university's museum and they're all very happy. Um so this is just kind of like establishing backstory ish. Yeah, question. Doesn't it seem kind of like he's lying to his students? Yes. He's saying he keeps saying this is a science that um there's no excitement to it. An X, he literally says X never marks the spot. I think he might be misrepresenting their, um, their, his profession. In fairness, he hadn't had X marks the spot yet. So that was just foreshadowing. He wasn't being dishonest. The other stuff, yeah. 
<laughs> Although what I heard is that he's not really an archaeologist. So like his his weekend adventures are not archaeology. He's, he's a professor of archaeology, which I suppose means something different than being an archaeologist. One exactly. of my one of my favorite classes in um, college was animal behavior. Um, and it was a, I think, a psychology class, but not. Um, anyway, it was a, it was about animals. And my professor would tell stories about like tromping through the jungle and like getting, he showed us his scars of being bitten by an anaconda. And yeah, and it, I, it always reminded me of Indiana Jones as a professor. I was like, I've got Indiana Jones professor over here. <laughs> Yeah, he never told me that. That's really funny. Yeah, he told me a lot. Of, like he would talk about stories. Um, yeah, it was really fun. I liked him a lot, actually. Um, Al, that's also when I met you because I was um, watching the ducks as, for that class. That's why you were watching those ducks. Yeah, of animal behavior. You were supposed to observe certain animals' behavior. Yeah, I love story. You see, after all this time, you can still learn more about your backstory. <laughs> that's right. Origin story is like, really what stories. I think. Yeah. Um, it was a great class, actually. Anybody who's still in college, if you're friends and listening, consider an animal behavior class. I think of it all the time when I see bees flying in certain motions. And um, uh, yeah, anyway. So he gets back to school and he finds out that his dad is missing um, via being he sneaks out of his office because he doesn't want to talk to all the students. And then these like scary guys put him in a car and take him to a rich guy's house. Um, rich guy found a tablet that has some hint to where the, um, the Holy Grail is, um, hence the name of the last crusade because the crusades were about the search for the Holy Grail, right? Mm -hmm. So this is the last crusade because spoiler alert, they find it. Um, so he is told that his dad is missing and the guy is like, we would need you to help find your dad. Cause he, I had hired your dad to help us find the grail because the dad is a grail hunter. Like that's what his passion is. And that's what he was looking for. So Indiana um, finds out that his dad has mailed him his grail diary. So he's got all of the hints in the diary and his, him and his pal, at the university decided to go to Venice to go find the dad because that's where he, they last saw him. Right before they are departed, the person who hired him says, don't trust anybody. And that is a key. It's foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. There's somebody he's going to trust that he shouldn't. Lots of people, mind you. <laughs> yeah. Except for the funny thing for me is that the one person who I was like, you can't trust that person. You can't trust that person. Turns out you could. <laughs> I remembered the movie wrong. Who was that? <laughs> the yeah. professor. I thought the coworker. Oh. I thought he was the one who was like, I told you never trust, don't trust anyone. Yeah. And so I didn't trust him until the very end of the movie. There is <laughs> a movie with, with exactly that dynamic that you've probably watched too. I don't recall what it is, but it is his coworker who is the person. And in an adventure like this, maybe it was the mummy, but I don't think so. So I think that's what you're thinking about. Maybe. It's in my mind, too. But I do remember that from this movie of, like, don't trust anyone. Anyway, first person he meets and trusts off the boat is Elsa. So Elsa Elsa is a a 23-year-old PhD. (laughs) (laughs) First suspicious. Tim, did you you ever think about that? Yeah, because I I, I laugh because I remember... What's her face in one of those Bond movies was like. See, that's exactly the, the parallel I made with Shalia. Uh, remember that? I was like, there's no way. Denise Wasn't Richards? It De- Denise Richards? 
Like it was the exposure that, super high, I, like PhD. Since I grew up with this movie and she was always an adult, I yeah. never real it never really clicked to uh to me that I like that maybe this is ridiculous. <laughs> maybe she's a genius. You know what? Maybe she's a genius. This is already kind of I mean masters, maybe. No, no, no. Maybe she skipped the fourth grade. Yeah, maybe she's a prodigy. <laughs> maybe that's it. Okay, so uh, she takes them to the library where they last saw the dad and mm-hmm. Indiana follows the clues and figures out X does mark the spot. So figures out that there's this big tile on the ground of this library that used to be a church mm-hmm. and then there's a big X. And so he takes this like metal stand and breaks <laughs> through the ground of this like ancient it's church. One of the best bits though. I really like the stamping. Stamping and the knocking. You know what? I think that's why I never really had a problem with it. I was too busy laughing at that, that I was like, wait, he's supposed to be like an archaeologist and care about precious artifacts. And he just like breaks through the floor of this very old I think I've heard this criticism before. And and as I watch this movie and as I think about it, it really is the case because when he's down in the, um, he's down in the catacombs, he does the same thing with, this person who has drank from the cup of Christ with their grave, he just like rolls it over and knocks things out of the way. It, it, it reminds <laughs> me so much of like Star Trek killing so many people on this peacekeeping mission. On. Yes. <laughs> well, all the time. <laughs> exactly. And like at one point, like you've got the fire happening and he's like, ah, oh, we got to get under this coffin. So gross. But before they're actually like in any dire danger, he yeah. is. He's just like knocking. He used someone's leg as a torch to walk through it. Like, yeah, you have no idea who that guy is. That yeah. could have been one of the most important people in history. But since it's not what you're looking for at the moment. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I don't care. I mean, so dip like, it in petroleum and light it on fire. Yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> so there's that. Um, then this is probably the most disturbing scene of the movie for me the rats they're crawling through this place through all these rats and skeletons and it's so gross uh all the rats really gross me out i couldn't i was like oh this is where i would end and turns out that's where his dad wouldn't have made it past that either he says his dad is um afraid of rats one thing i should have mentioned in the chase scene from young indiana jones um i'm sure we'll go back to it but that establishes a couple of like origin um pieces to him it explains the the whip Yeah, explains why he, he uses the whip and why he hates snakes because no. he why doesn't have to be snakes. It, yeah. ex- it explains all of them because he also gets his scar and his hat yeah. and his hat. It's like the entire it's like the spider, the uh, radioactive spider bit. Yeah, bit him. it's like that scene. Yeah. Everything happens right Everything there. Everything happens. Yeah. So this whole thing. So that's pretty cool. Um, OK, so they make it. They find the uh, coffin of the like that they were looking for and inside it sure enough has the other clue on this tablet but these guys come and they burn the place down um well they yeah they set off a fire and so they have to get in the water and hide under the coffin in that the rats are coming in on her face and on her head and shoulders and it's so those are real rats so i don't know how you film that scene without freaking out i don't either as probably those screams are real i I, like what do you go and say i need a thousand rats for this scene we're doing oh no there's animal handlers who have exactly that job 
Ugh. And I, 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 I was thinking it's probably the same person who worked on that movie, Willard. Remember I that? that? Yeah. But like, I mean, at least as the actor, it's not real dead body water because that's the other <laughs> dead like, body water. It's so gross. It was dead petroleum. body water with petroleum, and he yeah. opened his eyes under the uh, water. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no way. Yeah. There's a lot of times somebody opens their their eyes under the water in movies, and I, I, I never would. No way. But I really felt like that. Also, I think that grave, or not that grave, that like coffin, was was shouldn't be floating like that. No. <laughs> this time when I watched it, I was like, "That thing's really no. heavy, right?" Yeah. Yeah. No, it's made out of styrofoam. <laughs> <laughs> I went to Universal Studios and and went on the ride. I know. <laughs> okay, so he finds a way out because he w- looked underwater, and they escape through a sewer or sewage hole. Um, and they're being chased still. So now we have a boat scene in Venice. So much fun on speed so boats. Much. Yep. Um, and he finally um, gets like the, the leader of the guys attacking them to talk. And it turns out that they have been sworn to protect any uh, protect the Grail from being discovered. The, guys the order really of the cruci- the order of the cruciform sword. Yeah. The- Super cool about Indiana Jones getting his friends killed. Like he was real chill about it. Yeah. Like, oh well, sorry. Yeah. Well, but then, he was ready for death. He was ready for death, even with uh with the propeller blade coming out. He was like, I'm ready to die. They they must have been ready. Are you, to are die. you ready to die? I'm are ready you ready? Die. That's that was a real strong move. I'm ready to die. Are you ready to die? Except for, I mean, I guess it makes sense to yeah, tell him to be like, hey, don't keep looking for the Grail because we're gonna kill you. But it, they remind me of those guys that show up in the Mummy movies who are sort of like overseeing everything. Yes. In the grave of the mummy. So, I think I think those two are synonymous in my brain now because there were like I felt like there were scenes missing with these guys, and they're probably scenes that I've attributed to the mummy. The red hats yeah. are. <laughs> the yeah. The little fezes they run around in. Yeah. So um, by finding that out, they drop him off, leave him be, and they go and meet up and take showers. Um, and they go, they get a, how did they find out that the dad was at that castle? Did they get a tip? They bone first. Don't leave that out. It's important. Okay. So, <laughs> so it's they, a setup for a later joke. So it's they set have, up for a later joke. It is foreshadowing a little. So mm-hmm. they have sex. And then for some reason, they know that the, they're, they need to go to this castle. And I don't remember why. I don't remember how they figured out that either. Yeah. Did uh, somebody tell Elsa? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It should have been, it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, it's a trap. So Elsa and Indy go to this castle. Their professor friend does not. Um, they go in. It's a Nazi. Is it Nazi castles? They're in Austria, right? That's where they are? Yeah. And they go through this castle. He goes through a window, jumps into another window, and turns out his dad is there. And he knocks him over the head with the ceramic vase. And then is upset that he ruined a very important old Chinese artifact. Mm-hmm. And then he's happy that it was fake. Um, turns out this is when it reveals that the dad is one, the only, Sean Connery. Sean Connery. No, you, you wait. You find that out at the very beginning. No, only if you know. Because you don't see his face. You don't see you his face. You hear him say something. But yeah. unless you know it, you don't know it. Like, it's not. And he says, like, a couple lines. So you're not quite sure. Mm-hmm. I always took that differently. Okay. Yeah. Um, reveal, big reveal. It's Sean Connery. And then the dad-son story begins of like, dad, junior, 
Don't call me Junior, Dad. Junior. We find out Indiana Jones. Is, we find out his real name in this movie. Yeah, his real name is Henry. Yeah, he's a junior. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because Indiana is what they had called the dog. The dog. <laughs> I was like, I love this, and I also need to hear more about it. <laughs> he, said, end up he said it. Taking that was the dog. I really like that dog. Yeah, so it was a great dog. <laughs> Uh, so now the, pair, the dad and Indiana are together. This is when the whole don't trust anyone plays because the guy who hired both of them turns out he's a bad guy and he set them up. And this is when they tie them to a chair back to back. And they had learned that Elsa is not a friend. She's an enemy. But mm. also she has had sex with both of them. Both of them. He said she talks in her sleep. That's He said don't trust her. Yeah. So how did you know? Because he, he's telling him what I like about when he fi- when he finally realized that, that Sean Connery is his dad, it it turns to a buddy cop film. It turns into two buddy cops, but they just happen to be in the nineteen thirty eight <laughs> fighting Nazis. It's like Rush Hour, <laughs> totally. But they have the same bits, but with the background. It's like reminded me a lot of Maverick, honestly, because like the father son piece. Like there's an element of father son to it. That right. goes deeper than even the buddy cop to me. And I think like the fact that it turns out they've both had sex with her, like that would be weird if they're friends, but it's even more weird if your dad and son. And the yeah. dad didn't have a problem with it. No. Oh. oh man. Um he knew she was a mole. She was German. He kept telling him not to trust her. Mm-hmm. He said he's not gonna shoot her. How did Indiana Jones fall in love with her so fast that his very intelligent very competent father's warning that he knows so flatly. He says it like so flatly as a fact. It's like, no, he's not going to shoot her. Yeah. But he, he, knows. he, he was goes with, her. with Elsa. He knows he's known her for like two days. Yeah, well, like, and, the dad, and the dad was here first. Like the dad is saying, I like, I already know this lady. We know that you know this lady. I would trust your assessment of her. You know what? But maybe it's it's actually consistent with the movie. Because they don't have a good relationship. Exactly. So maybe he doesn't have that trust. No, that that was kind of my read of it. It's like, well, if you say so, I definitely trust her. (laughs) Like a little bit of an opposite there. So they're left in the room to wait to see their fate. And in the meantime, they end up burning the place down because Sean Connery drops the lighter and it keeps burning. And so a fire gets started. They hide in the fireplace, which I think is ironic that during a fire, you would go to the fireplace but they do in their little chair and all tied up and they find a secret passage and the secret passage takes them to another side of the wall where there's just Nazis operating and communicating. (laughs) I will say this was actually particularly fun after having watched hunters recently. (laughs) There's like added elements to it that were kind of great. Anyway, there's a fun scene. (laughs) (laughs) Nazis be hiding. (laughs) <laughs> I know, right? Yep. So there's a fun scene of them going in between these rooms through the fireplace. They finally get untied and escape by climbing up and then finding a hidden staircase and going down. And so they escape. Um, but then they realize that they have to actually follow Elsa um, because they need the journal. Oh, because Indy was stupid enough to bring the journal back to Venice. Like the dad went through all the trouble to get the journal out or the diary out of Venice. And then Indy brought it right back. That's interesting, right? Because so Indy thought of it as a, I need help. 
but he was thinking of it as a I need to get something to a safe location. So Indy <laughs> thought he did, he's like, oh, my dad needs something from me. And what his dad needed actually needed from him is just storage. <laughs> well, it is really funny because it's like, yeah, why else would the dad send it? Like if if it was just safe on the person, then he would still have it. So why would he? Anyway, so they have to go into now Berlin to go get the journal or the diary. And we get to see a full on Nazi bonfire burning books situation. And it turns out Elsa is still kind of into Indy. And hands over the diary. Oh, she's into him. She seems kind of into him. Okay. I don't know. I didn't understand. Was that your read on it? She was. She was into him. My read this time was, I'm still kind of a good guy. Like it's it's when you think when somebody turns out to be working for the bad guys and you think that they have their ideology, but she still has something in common with her with him. It's kind of like they're they're kindred spirits, and maybe they bonded over something. Bonded over something, yeah. They both are in the same um, quest, right? And she she is indicating she does care about history, right? Like that she's bothered by the burning of the books and things like that. Um, okay, but she get, gives him the book, and then he happens to find himself in the middle of an autograph signing parade. <laughs> And, right. and Hitler takes the book right out of his hands. It's a great scene. It. It's so awesome. It is so great. Anyway, they get out of there and now they head to Turkey where their professor friend was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and turns out he's been captured by the bad guys, but Sala is there. So they go mm-hmm. to, I guess, rescue the friend slash follow the, like, the quest to the grail. So they're yeah. kind of doing two in one. We have a super old West um, <laughs> car car slash horse trait uh, race using a tank. Now, my understanding is those tanks are only like they can't go over like 15 miles an hour. Like no. They're not very fast. No, they're not very fast. <laughs> those older ones. Yeah, I don't think they're very fast. Yeah, I'm kind of funny. Um, anyway, lots of action there. They succeed in surviving and they go to Alexandretta. I think it's funny you said it's kind of like an old west chase because I I think they filmed it probably in the southwest somewhere. Like Utah or somewhere. I think that's where they actually filmed that scene. That would make sense. That's what it feels like. Um, which is just really funny because we just did Back to the Future last week where they're now going to go into the west. So it was very like... And I was feeling like elements of Maverick. Anyway. Well, the the young Indiana Jones thing is very like that. That whole section is kind of very Western, including jumping on a train oh. from a horse. Yeah, the circus uh-huh. and all that. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Actually, that's kind of cool. It kind of wraps around to a similar sort of scene. Mm-hmm. It does. Um, okay, so now they head to Alexandretta to go get the Grail, and turns out the bad guys have already gotten there, and they're sending in volunteers in terms of like voluntold soldiers to go through. We already know from the dad that there's three tests and they have some clues as to who can get through these tests. Mm-hmm. And the, and that's why they had to go to Berlin to get the diary in the first place. So they get to Alexandretta and then they get captured. And so now India, Indiana has to go in and get the grail and to motivate him. The bad guy shoots Sean Connery. Listen, great, great move by the villain. That is a great move. I Yeah. It's true. It was it was very spot on. So 
that motivates Indiana to go through the tests. We watch him get all the way through. Very golden child. (laughs) Tim, I have a question for you about this. Um, Did you feel like the bridge was magical? Yes. Okay. That's what I thought, too. But Shalia thinks it's it's not. No, it was just in disguise. Like, from a certain angle, they show that it's just rock. I don't think that would work if you, like, that would only work for one very, very, very specific angle. There's only one angle. You come out of that cave. No, no, no. I mean, like, if you tilted your head by, like, a centimeter, you would be able to tell. So the reason why I bring it up is because, Tim, I was saying to Shalia when we got to that part, I was like, this is the first supernatural thing that happens in this whole movie. Yes. Like, is that kind of similar with Raiders? Does anything supernatural happen until basically they open up the... The the grill, the, the, the thing, the end, they all melt. The arc. The arc, yeah. So it's all grounded right up to the point that he has to do this leap. They call it leap of faith, which, yeah. first of all, he I, I guess that's what a leap of faith would have to, to be, is to put yeah. your leg all the way out. But yeah. if you just, like, scratched your toe a little further out, You'd find that bridge, right? No. Then it's magical. No, no. It comes out from the other side, but it doesn't reach it doesn't reach fully. So you have to take a large step to But his dad but says that? as he's yeah. dying, is you have to believe it. That's oh. the magical part. Like you have to believe this is the yeah. or it doesn't. I don't think it's I think Tim's right. I don't think there's a gap there. Yeah. I think I think part of it is having to have faith because because Indy's whole thing is like he doesn't believe in this kind of stuff. So he has to have faith and believe in this religion and believe in God in a way that this bridge appears or else it doesn't. Yeah. So my my read is that 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 is the first bit of magic that happens. I think that if you don't believe, you don't take a big enough step because you hesitate and you fall. I think you're overthinking it. Yeah, because there's there's (laughs) other elements of faith and magic that happen very shortly after this. Yeah, but that's a good point. I will say that, but like you can see the bridge. Like when he's walking on it, you can see it and you can see the rock under it. Like Yeah, you can you can huh. it's not like Well, okay, okay. In that it's case it's like just magic. invisible. Yeah. How? Magic. From an angle. You guys you can see it. It no, shows no, no, that it's like, oh, okay, it looks like it's this. Turns out it's actually this. It no, no, like, like, like you're talking about like an optical illusion. Yes, that's exactly what I'm what telling it is. you in real 3D life when you're standing there. Just moving a few like degrees of your head will make it enough that you would see something if it's obstructing. The only way this works right. is magic. It's either magic. magic magically concealed or magically appears. But or no, strange technica, technical uh, solution to this one. All right. In any case, he gets across. And turns out the three brothers, the third brother is still alive. He's just been drinking from that cup the whole time. Or magic. That sounds yeah. awful. And he's old. So he did age. Wait, no, no, I no. Doubt you you skipped he... something. He has to spell the name of God. Yeah. No, he did that before he got to that bridge. Yeah. Did you? I skipped through the three because I figured we would talk about the three. I was just like, he gets oh. through them. Um, and then, and then there's... <laughs> The old guy, but I thought it was interesting because, like, he is old, so either he was that old when he got there. Yeah, does it decrease your yeah, aging rate? Yeah, it keeps you alive. But I, I mean, I mean, since this, since this is a positive thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does also kind of remind me of what the One Ring did to Gollum. Yes, we're just gonna stretch your life out, stretch your life out, like. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So what's his face? Because that's the th- that's the truth for the Hobbit too. He's older. He's yeah, he's way older, but he's older. Yeah, Bilbo's older. It's, it must be a positive thing because this guy can still walk really well. Yeah. With armor on, although he does tip over when he tries to to uh, face Indy in a duel. <laughs> yeah. He's like, you beat me. <laughs> he did. He said, so anybody, any human being who walked into that room that yeah, he chose he to stand up, he would have lost to. I also didn't quite understand why, as Indy is making it through the obstacles, the first one. Um, okay, let's go back to the obstacles. So the first one is you have to be what pious or penitent, penitent, um, meaning you need to bow. Which made sense, except for the next one was roll fast, because the other one yeah. came up from the ground. So the thing is, is, you don't kneel quite right. It like slices off your kneecap or something. Like, why is there yeah. a second one right in front of you? Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> and then after he gets through it, he cl- he he stops it so that others could follow him. Like, I thought that was weird. Like, let it keep going. Well, I guess he had to get out. No, yeah, he has to get back out. He knows he has to return the other way. Yeah, but he can he can stop it on the on the other side. I don't. I wouldn't bank my life on that. No, they don't um, want. They they're not going to. I don't think their plan was to send somebody in um, every time he finished one of the traps. No, but it did. That's what ended up happening is they followed him, and then they were like, "We're going to take the cup." No, they or, didn't follow him. They were still uh, outside of the first trap. He goes all the way in. Before the cup, yeah, gets the water and comes all the way back. No, yeah, they, no, they come oh, in. They do. Elsa is in. Yeah, they, the they come in the, the room. Oh, you're totally right. You're totally right. It's the it's the father and all the soldiers that stay out. Yeah, yeah, but the chose. bad guy. Yeah, well, no, you're totally right. You're totally right. So I just thought that was weird. Like when it happened, I'm like, oh, don't leave that wide open for them to follow you. But I guess you're right. Like maybe he won't be able to open it later. So make sure he can get out. Um, the second trial is. Spell, yes, the, spell the the name of God by stepping on the stepping on the right tiles. Right, and he starts by spelling it wrong because he uses a J instead of an I for Yehovah. Um, so that was is that scary. how it is? Is that why there's an I there? Because it's Yehovah. Yeah, never heard that before. Well, because I can think about like Yesu, Yesu, like you could I for Jesus instead of G J for Jesus. Like, just depends on how you're saying it. So. Yes, yeah. Jehovah. It's it, when he says it, he says Jehovah starts with an I. Yeah. So I was like, oh, that makes some sort of J sound. That's weird. But you're saying <laughs> that it's not Jehovah, like with the G. Okay. Um, but he I haven't watched this movie in a long time. I, I don't know. I just know that made, that's what made sense to me when it happened. So he makes it through that. We've already talked about the bridge that's totally there. Um, and now we're in there. The others follow him. Um, two others follow him, show up and say, I want the cup for myself. And there's a final test in that um, you have to figure out which of all of the cups in here is the Holy Grail. And Elsa sneakily says, I'll help you. I'll help you find it. And she picks one that's like super gold and jeweled out. And like the guy's like, yes, this looks like the King of Kings's cup totally falls for it and drinks it and does the opposite of youth. He, he says he chose, he chose poorly. Yep. He ages really fast. Which reminds me you to use so, that with people because it's so condescending. Is this, is your guys' read that she purposely poorly. gave him the wrong one? Yeah. That's the first, this is the first time watching it. I realized that. 
Because yeah. when I was young, like when I was a kid, I still thought of her as a bad guy. Yeah. But just like we talked about when they're in Berlin, it's actually that scene kind of indicates she's still on a she's not all the way evil so i never thought of that the fact that she's tricking him at that point yeah that's what i thought because why else offer to help like let me help you like, because I was she was so like, excited yeah maybe i i uh, i don't know i thought that she did it on purpose and there's a second point here which is there's the the true cup which we discover is kind of how do you say it? it's a more basic. humble uh, yeah more it's humble a carpenter's cup. cup it's mm-hmm. a carpenter's cup um so if you come in there with the sort of mind that I have, and maybe some people do, it's like this thing stands out, right? Everything else is, is of the same style, and this one thing is different. What are the chances that this is probably the right answer? Yeah, it's kind of a process of elimination type like, situation. This one has six jewels, and this one has seven. Why would this one be it over this? But when you're when you're drunk on power and you're not thinking straight, these people—they're not the ones solving the puzzles, they're not the one doing the mysteries. They're the one with the guns behind your back telling you. Hey, do everything right. So when it's time to choose, they're not in that world. They're not even thinking that. They're not. They're not problem solvers. Mm-mm. Yeah. Good. No, I just think that's good. Good. gonna do what good do. Yeah. Well, the other I, thing I is, have a big gaudy cup. Did Did they know it was gonna happen if they chose wrong? No. So there's also that. Because you would have somebody <laughs> yeah, else try it first. You would have been like, you drink out of here first. Wait. Yeah. He. They, I mean, he. They. He gave them a warning, right? He didn't explicitly say. Yeah. But he does give them some warning about what happens if you. Don't choose the correct one. That's what I was wondering. I don't remember what the warning is. No, I don't think so. But if they'd have known, they would have... I think he said something like, it'll take life. Or. And then did he say that before they got there? Like, Indy knew it, maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's what it was. But I I remember him making some sort of cryptic, the correct cup will do this, the wrong cup will do this. I feel like Elsa was there for that, though. I really thought she did this on purpose. Anyway, so bad guy dies, and they find the right cup. Indy tastes it, so he's got a little immortality in him now um, until he pees. And then... Until he walks past the seal. The magic is is stuck in that. In that. Yeah. It, it can't really? Leave. You think so? Yeah. yeah. He, he literally says you can't... That's why, that's why everything goes wrong when Elsa starts to walk past the seal. So I thought... I thought it was a protective spell for the grail itself. And so it's... Because he says you can't take the grail past the seal. Um, but like obviously, Indy and Sean Connery can walk out even though they've drank the water. So I thought it was fine to drink the water and leave. It's the fact that you can't take. Oh, you're the cup you're right. Out. It's uh, he, but he says the magic of the Grail cannot leave this area. Yeah, so they're they're not immortal outside. That doesn't make sense. It does. Remember, his both of his brothers died once they left the cave. The only yeah. reason he's still alive is because he stayed within the cave, where the magic. So that's the only place the magic has ever been able to work. According to everything they're saying in the movie, yeah. Weird. Okay. In any case, they make it out. He makes it in time to heal his father using the cup, the water in the cup. And then um, Elsa, unfortunately, is like, yay, let's go. And and forgets what she was told. She, she, yeah, it, it, back to your Lord of the Rings analogy. Yeah. It's like the ring. I was thinking it was like a boo. <laughs> with I, the red ruby this time so a little bit of a spoiler i love this movie growing up it was my favorite out of the three it was really big for me but watching this time everything that happened to in my opinion everything that happened after he poured the water um onto his father's gunshot yeah was i didn't like it i, I felt like 
it it wasn't natural. Oh my, is the bullet still in there? Huh? Is the bullet still in him? Like, well, I'm not talking about that. I'm saying all of the events that happen after he gets to to heal his father. Mm-hmm. Um, her taking the cup, her trying to to walk out after already knowing the warning, and then why is this entire place falling apart? Yeah. Why is she really gonna risk her life to grab that? None of it seemed any more like good writing to me. It seemed like it's time to wrap this up. I mean, it also fits, I think. It seems a lot like what you guys just said about Gollum. Like, you you lose your common sense, you lose your control, and you're just like, I want it. And so I wasn't, I wasn't turned off by the fact that the cave then crumbles because that's part of the magic. Like, he warned you, it stays here, which means you stay here. Made me think very much of Aladdin. And so that was fine. Her getting taken over with like greed or whatever mm-hmm. makes sense. And then I thought it was interesting that Indy just said to her, it's okay, give me your other hand. She falls. And then he almost does the exact same thing with his dad. He's like, I can reach it. <laughs> like, he, had, he had longer arms. I feel like you could see it working. His fingers were on it. He's like, I, I, I have a better chance though. Like, like, like I could actually make it happen. Yeah. So I do think that there's a magical piece to make them act uh irrationally there uh and so anyway his dad pulls him out of it literally and then they ride off into the sunset <laughs> the <end>. like a western <laughs> like literally into literal the sunset. <laughs> it was like a while that we're watching before i finally i'm like this could be the end of any western <laughs> like, i would not guess that this is the movie we just watched okay that's the long plot um we have a lot to talk about Let's start with the chase scene as young Indy. What do you guys want to talk about there? So if I understand correct, it was they chose to do this because I think George Lucas and um, Harrison Ford were both Boy Scouts growing up. So Aww. they they wanted to, to you know, um, put this sort of scene in there, probably, you know, reminiscent of some of their childhood. Um I like it. I didn't know who River Phoenix was like at the time or anything. So I just remember him as young Indiana Jones. That's what I remember him. Yeah. Um, I really liked this. I was a Boy Scout too. Like the, the whole thing seems like the, the sort of adventure you want to, to have um, out in Boy Scouts or something like that. But um, you realize the summer camps that you go to are, are like 10 minutes away from a city. <laughs> so this is really funny that you mentioned this part right because the other thing that we will absolutely talk about is like the father-son interactions and bond i guess we might say but at one point the dad was like oh i was just starting to find him interesting or something like that um when i think when he thought he was gonna die or he died like i just found to start finding him interesting and it, i laughed because it reminded me of oliver so kenan's dad recently said how disappointed he was that Kendon gave up Boy Scouts because he had been volunteering and going on all of these Boy Scout trips with him. And he, Kendon was finally graduating to the point where they got to go on this like really cool trip that Oliver wanted to do. And that's the year Kendon quit. <laughs> I feel like maybe he should have told me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm kind of surprised he didn't. He'd be like, hey, can you, can you stay in just a little longer? I want to go on this trip. But I well, he was kind of uh, a Henry Jones sort of father. He says, uh, I'm going to let you make your choices. He does seem like that. It was, and that was really funny, right? At one point, Indiana Jones is like, you never 
told me this or this or this. And he's like, yeah, I stayed out of your way. I was a great dad. I didn't <laughs> I bother was a great you. Dad. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. I didn't, I didn't tell you to do stuff. It's like, that's really funny. Um, okay. Well, I did like the, so I liked the Boy Scout part and I really enjoyed the chase scene um, just to like have all of the origin stuff happen. So it's first the snakes. So we introduce in the beginning, he doesn't mind a snake. He just like holds one in his hand. He's like, it's just a snake. Um, and then he falls, he gets, he gets almost attacked by a really big snake and then falls into a thing of all these little snakes and that terrifies him. And then he escapes that, but there is still a snake on him. There's some like snake pieces, like it's, it finds in his life. Well, all of the all of the goons keep finding one as they um, as they try to put to, like snare him or grab him. And then a snake comes out, and they're like, ah, yeah. So it's kind of weird because I would be like, well, maybe they're your best friends, but I'm not sure. So, but there's the snakes. Um. Then there's the lion. Well, I guess the whip happens twice. So he he falls into the lion cart um, den or whatever, and he finds the whip, tries it, cuts his chin, um, and then uses it to keep the lion back um, and get pulled up by the bad guys who then keep trying to take the, the cross. That made me really sad just because I was like, I know what circuses were like back then and how they treated those animals and the like a lion reacting to a whip is probably because the lion has been whipped and that made me really sad um it's the sort of thing that makes a live action dumbo seem like maybe not the best idea no not at all correct very correct so that happens there's a fake rhino Oh, that's what I wanted to talk about. Kendon kept saying how this was such a um, a ride, like a theme park ride. And I thought it was funny because like the the ride from Indiana Jones is like one of the like epic or is it epic or fundamental or whatever, like rides to go on. And I was like, well, but this created the ride. <laughs> so it's epic. But there's also like these animals were really fake. Like the rhinoceros, poor rhinoceros was crying. But like, I don't know. Well, the the big snake seemed really fake. This time, watch this. This all worked when I was a kid for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Um, and I think there's a lot of things where high def TVs have really um not done a service for some older movies where things maybe were a little fuzzier. Uh-huh. Um, but it really looked like it's like it sprung up on an arm. The the snake itself, and then the the rhino head. My guess is that there was nothing past the shoulders. <laughs> Fair enough. But it was a real lion. It looked like a real lion. It was definitely real little snakes. Um, so that's the chase scene. Anything else? Oh, and then at the house, that's when the other the guys like don't give up the chase. And right. he, he said like, just because you weren't lost today doesn't mean you have to like it. And then right. gave him his hat, which I thought was kind of cool. The best part for me in that scene is the transition with the hat. That's the coolest thing. That's, that's coolest what part. I remember. Like as watching it, I was like, "Oh, this is where he gets the, the whip and the snakes and this." But it's the hat scene, the 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 dipping down of the head and then the coming back up, um, that I think sticks with me. I didn't remember it, but it is a really good transition. <laughs> so it was like, oh, it wasn't that important. I mean, I it, it didn't. I I forgot the whole beginning scene happened in this movie. You so. Remember what I said when we were watching? Like, there's like two minutes or something where they're where they're watching the grave robbers like from some rocks, right? And they see them find the cross of Coronado. I didn't remember any of that. 
in my mind, the movie started as soon as he ran out the cave, which is weird. It's kind of like a dream. You know, they're, they're like, oh, when you're in a dream, like you don't know how you arrived at a place. Mm-hmm. I was like, how could the movie have ever started there without figuring out how he got this cross? But that's just what I that's how I remembered it. That's a really funny thing for you to remember that part, because like I, I would think you would either remember all of it or remember none of it. <laughs> you remember like a piece of it. Ninety five percent of it. Maybe you weren't like maybe you just relate to the theater. Oh, <laughs> maybe no. you walked in. And My parents probably recorded this off a of TV. Oh, so they maybe they missed that part. Maybe they, they missed like, that. They pushed record. Yeah. Could be. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so that happens. Um, let's see here. There's so much. There's so much. How about int- Sean Connery is the reason we did this. Um, for me, it turns out, I didn't remember this until we were watching, but this was absolutely my introduction to Sean Connery. And I remember because um, it was a big deal that he was he was the dad. And I had to have it explained why that was a big deal. Like, well, this is a really famous actor. This is a big deal that he's the dad. Um, and so very, very fun performance. He's like goofy and silly and funny. I mean, I, I just thought he did such a good job. He was like the comedic relief sort of. Well, he's the reason I think this. I've always liked this movie best out of the three. Um, even though, like, watching it this time, it, it I like how you're completely, you're completely ignoring four. <laughs> you, you know what? You're right. I that was it's the best out of the two. So natural for me to pretend that there was only three. Okay, but it, I should say in the series, it was my favorite. Well, there was only three growing up. That's the why. I was gonna say when they're like thirty years apart. Yeah. Um, but I noticed it, it really hits the same beats in the same order that um, that Raiders does. So that's probably why it was like people liked it better than um, Temple of Doom. Yeah, it's almost kind of like uh, a, a version of the la- of what was the, uh, the Force Awakens, where it's like this is familiar. These are familiar um, beats. Mm-hmm. Well, and you've got John Williams helping out with that too. Dun, 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 Some of that music dun, dun. sounds like Star Wars music. Once, like I don't know if it's now that I know <laughs> that it's the same guy, but. Some of it, like, it yeah. makes me think of, like, oh, he's about to go into a bar on this planet. Like, that sort of background parts of it, um, outside of the main theme. Mm-hmm. At least he's consistent. Yeah. Well, and it's also very desert. There's, like, desert parts, and you're all, like, dusty, sandy, kind of. And I was like, and there was a lot reminding me of Star Wars in this with Harrison Ford. Here's the thing. You, put, you change those tanks and horses out for spaceships, and the Christian stuff into, like, an alien artifact. The movie could work in space very easily. You don't even have to do that. Some of the planets just look that way. I'm thinking I'm of like to get Firefly. from place to place. Yeah, from they're going from planet to planet, and ooh, what's up? Speaking of going from place to place, there was an airship. Yeah, I didn't realize that people actually rode in those things. Yeah, that's why it was such a tragedy when the one when the Hindenburg yeah burnt up. I don't know about that. What? Oh. <laughs> it's a really Easy. famous thing where the Hindenburg was, I think, German or maybe mm-hmm. Austrian. It was um, a dirigible is one word for them, but, you know, a blimp, essentially. And because because the United States was wouldn't sell them helium, which is lighter than air, they used hydrogen instead, which is also lighter than air, but also yeah. highly flammable. Flammable. 
So there was a tragedy where it caught fire in the entire. You the, have to have seen what the Hindenburg looks like when it's. Yeah, there's a pic- there's a picture of it. When did it happen? Um, probably in the 19 teens, uh, 1937. Oh, so like the it, year before. It looks like it got popped on a um oil refinery. But power. maybe it's it scraped something. Um, let me try and get your images. It says May 6, 1937. Which means, yeah, it happened... Around this time, right? Because this is like, like before like the Americans even joined the war. That this movie takes place. I'm doing this because I feel like you've probably seen this image. Yeah, you've seen images of it before, for sure. Such a classic image. And a lot of people use it for like, to shorthand for a disaster. Or like that. A lot. Does any of this... People reference oh, the, the Titanic. <laughs> There's literally not a, a Nazi flag on the tail. I didn't realize that. None of this? None of this is familiar to you? No. Wow. wow. Well, anyways, yeah, it's it's one of the like major tragedies in aeronautics history. Interesting. And I think of them as like blimps, like not carrying people. Basically, I, I knew oh, they existed. Whole thing, the whole but... thing on the bottom is it's like an airliner. So cool. Yeah. That, that was fun to see them like just sitting in there. And like, you're right. I would love to ride one of those things. Like, it looks really fun. Well, imagine though, I think part of the point is that everybody who's watching that movie, since it's such a widespread like knowledge thing, know that these things go, these Nazi ones that are full of hydrogen go down. Like, they know that they're a disaster. Yeah, that's a good point. They're <laughs> flying it out of Berlin. They're probably like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um. Okay, so other interesting thing, as they're going to get in, you see an airplane at the bottom of it. And it's very foreshadowing, visual foreshadowing, because you're like, yep, somebody's getting in that plane. Like, it was very clear that was going to happen. Sure enough, Sean Connery and Harrison Ford do. And... It's a fun, it's a fun father son scene of like, sorry, we've been hit. <laughs> like, the idea of shooting good. off the tail of your own plane oh, is really, yeah, yeah, he shot off the tail. Oh, that's funny. That makes it better. So when he's like, I'm sorry to say we have been hit because he yes. hit them. <laughs> and it seems like something out of a Bugs Bunny cartoon, doesn't it? Right. But I like it because at the beginning, because uh, I didn't remember how, how the scene went, I was like, I swear to God, if this little World War One plane shoots down these World War Two planes, that doesn't make any sense because I'm used to people being able to be really competent with weapons that they have no reason to be in modern movies. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, shooting down another plane is a really difficult skill that really skilled pilots at the time could not like pull off like 100% of the time. But no, the actual like quote unquote realistic thing happens. He screws up and shoots off their own tail. I really appreciated that. That is so much better. Now like, it was funny anyway the way he announced it. I I thought it's so great. Now he hits all of the like humor beats perfectly. Yeah, he really yeah. does. Um. So yeah. So oh, it is also funny when Harrison Ford throws the Nazi out of the airship. That's because he didn't have a ticket. No, no ticket. Everyone <laughs> showing their tickets. Like it's just silly. This movie is funny. Do you guys agree? It's just it's I funny. I think it's funny, and I think there's there's additional aspects from the the imagery, right? Because 
the Nazis were known for being very strict. <laughs> so it's like the idea of a Nazi throwing you out of a plane for not having your ticket, yeah. I think adds an, an extra layer of funny to it. Yeah. Um, okay, so where do you guys want to go next? The tank chase scene? No, my favorite scene is when they're getting chased by the air, the, the fighter jets and Sean Connery uses his umbrella. That was really clever. Like when I saw that, I was like, that's really clever. <laughs> you know, it's all this action. They're getting shot at and bombs and car crashes. Indy has one bullet left. And he's, he's looking, he's going to try to aim and shoot at this pilot. And Sean Connery calmly pulls out his umbrella, opens it and, you know, starts flapping in at the birds that caused the fighter jet to crash. There's okay. a lot of carnage. Yeah, they, a, lot of, a lot of dead people. In you know, yeah. they, they have a scene later where it was uh, the, the pen is mightier than the sword joke that he made. Um, yeah. I think this is kind of like the same thing. It's indicating that, that he solves problems with his mind over brawn. Yeah. Well, he did. He's like, I, channel, I channeled Charlemagne. Mm-hmm. Let the birds and the bees be my army or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that was funny because you were like, what are you doing? And yeah. he's like, it works very very brilliant i'm glad you remembered that one that one's good um we can just keep doing this scene to scene what else what other scene do you guys want to talk about do you have anything else to say about i feel like a lot happens during that chase scene but well I, i i want to throw out this small thing which is when they're climbing through the catacombs and there's all those symbols on this the wall. And um, she's like, what is this one? He said, the Ark of the Covenant. She's like, really? Are you sure? He's like, yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> did they did they um, did they reference that joke again in in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull when they're in the big warehouse where they've stored the Ark of the Covenant? I don't remember. I I have erased that movie from my memory, so I don't. Know. Oh, okay. Well, I had that. I had that joke in my head as something that happened more recently. And my guess is, if I rewatch it, that they use that joke again as a reference. It's it's funny. Yeah, that was really funny. It took me a minute. Kenan was like, "Get it?" Because he was just doing the last art, and I was like, "Oh yeah, no lost art, last crusade, lost art." Well, the thing that I liked about the chase scene was at the end when they're all it was it's so it's so campy it's so on the nose silly that they're all standing at the edge sad and then he climbs up and then looks over the edge with them and it's like what are you guys looking at (laughs) and like but it works like this doesn't work in every movie but it worked here for me i just and like he ends up they're like okay don't dawdle we gotta go and he's just like oh and he's tired, and then his hat just like rolls in, super fake. Um, I liked that. Yeah, <laughs> just the, the hat pops over. Hey, don't leave without me. It's like yeah. they know what they're making. They know what they're making. They know what they're doing, and it's so much fun. It's really, it's a really fun movie. It's kind of straightforward. It doesn't really do a bunch of diversion. There are a bunch, a bunch of wasted beats, wasted moments. That said. So kind of opposite of Kendan thinking that the movie started a little later than it did. If you had asked me the scene where they're tied up in their chairs and the fire um, in that castle, that's the end of the movie. I had no recollection that the, what? <laughs> yeah, Wait, I had what? no recollection that that 
that there's w- movie w- after was that. Was this movie to you the one where they burned up in a in a crisp? No, they <laughs> escape. But it's like I rem- like what I remember from this movie is Harrison Ford and Sean Connery tied up to a chair. They are like, oh, you shouldn't trust anybody. I told you. And then they have to escape and then they live. Like, I don't, I, I did not remember. What, what was their crusade for? What did you think their crusade was to do? I thought that the grail, I, I thought that the cup was like in that castle. Oh. Or like some, something. That was the third act. That was like the end of the film. Exactly. Like that is where, so when it happened so soon, I was confused. <laughs> like what else did you happened? Did you like block out the the fact that the a man like aged in front of your eyes maybe because that was that was freaky even for me um i remembered that like as so once we were watching i was like oh yeah this is this is what's going to happen when he drinks from that cup huh. but um and i have that visual in my head but i didn't necessarily associate it with this movie cuz he looked a lot like the tales from the crypt guy he did um but yeah anyway silly i mean as a kid right did we all see this as a kid when it first yeah. came out, ish. Yeah. And what's funny is the 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 kind of freaky scene from Raiders where everybody melts has not never had as much impact on me as the man growing old so fast. I just didn't like he was touching her. That's probably why he's touching her. It feels like she. So we get her reaction when when people are like melting in in, in Raiders. We don't really get that instant reaction, but she's so close to him, so we're seeing her reaction of. Oh my god! They literally can't get an inter- uh, because they have to keep their eyes closed, don't they? Yeah, they keep their eyes closed. You're right. That I think that's maybe why it's more effective because her scream, yeah. like that whole thing, because I think she screams before we see his face start to melt. Yeah. Right. Like we see the hair start to grow out, and then we get her reaction, and then we see what happens to his face. Yeah. And, and like, I think that's a good ramp up. Ugh. Yeah, it's gross. She has to go through a lot. I feel for her. She's a model, right? A Russian yeah. model? No, Scottish. Scottish model. Um, yeah. Okay. We have been going at it for a while. Let's talk about influences. <laughs> do we really like, have to? That's not like, with this, take a while. With this movie of all movies, do we do we really have to? We literally brought up the mummy earlier. Yeah, Another movie mummy. I actually would, would like to watch again. Maybe we'll watch that instead of um the crystal skull. The crystal skull. Yeah. Tonight, we just need more pizza. <laughs> Ooh, we did have pizza this week. What were you saying, Tim? This influenced so many movies moving forward. These sort of caravan chase sequences, um, taking on evil an evil empire at some point. You know, one man surviving death, and you know, it's got these buddy cop elements. There's a lot of stuff that is sort of taken from this film. Do you think Fifth Element is too much of a stretch? Even Fifth Element feels kind of like indebted to this. Well, I think Fifth Element is similarly has like a really good mix of comedy and action. Yeah, I think to, for these things to work, the comedy and action. We were talking. I was talking with one of my friends today on Twitter this week on Twitter about Blue Streak and Money Talks and these movies. And like, I think what, what separates these movies sometimes is their ability to make really. I don't know if you guys have seen Money Talks in a while, but the. No. Act- the money talk, they're like legit that shootout scene is like a legit shootout scene that the, the escape when they break people out from prison is like a real escape scene the the helicopter scene is a real helicopter scene it's a real action sequence but in between it it's chris tucker being funny and the same with blue streak blue streak has has like cop elements in it but dennis martin being funny and dave Chappelle showing up um, yeah so you're saying it's not cartoonish vehicle yeah. stuff 
no. it's, it's grounded for lack of a different treat the, You treat the action with the respect it deserves, and then you let the comedy be itself. And I think you know, that was this movie. Like you, you. I think we it probably came up when we did Lethal Weapon because Lethal yeah. Weapon is a comedy, and that's what I think it's first and foremost thought of but it was definitely like this military like drama sort of thing and that helicopter they get a lot of use out of the helicopter yeah. um so i think very that, like action serious yeah. but also yeah funny. um <laughs> so i think anyways i think that's a great point yeah it's it feels genuine yeah there's a element to it yeah okay lots of influences for sure um also just <sighs> the fact that sean connery is funny i don't know the bond john connery but uh, I don't think of him as being like that funny. He's more suave. But I think this just, I don't know. I don't know if, if this is the first time, but it it just really showcases his character. And I really enjoyed that. I don't know if this is an influence, but if you merge the father and son together, I think you get the most interesting man in the world <laughs> from the Dos Equis commercials. Sure. The, Nicely done. The Nicely action done. Silver Fox. Um, all right, Tim, what's your favorite thing about this movie? Probably the father-son dynamic. It's, and it's an element that I think the other Indiana Jones films didn't have, and it helped sort of breathe new life into the franchise. Because you've got the original one where it's a solo indie, and you throw in the kid and the girl and in the, the sequel, and that's more of the same. But this was like, how do we breathe new life into this franchise and make it something that feels fresh? It's, Indy has a dad, and his dad is similar to him but not as adventurous and they get to have this buddy cop film halfway through so it's able to it starts off with like a young indie then it cuts to him doing more of his indiana jones heroics alone on a ship in the middle of nowhere and then halfway through we get this indian and his dad go on the crusade together to try to find you know the holy grail it's great yeah it is great it's great and then what's your favorite thing so since what Tim said is one of the two favorite things, I'll describe um, that I really like the end sequence in the, I'm going to call it a cave. It's like a temple cave. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting is uh, the first two traps, I'm like I'm not that impressed with. It reminds me of something from Raiders, like, oh, okay, it's a rolling ball or whatever. But then I always really thought that the bridge that you had to, to step on was so clever. And I really um, like when he tosses the dirt onto it and you see it's kind of being suspended in midair. That always stuck in my mind. And then the kind of it's it's a it's a riddle, right, to pick the right cup, but it's fair. And so I always liked that entire scene. It's like this this night's been there this whole time and ending. Well, not in. Yeah, kind of ending with that amazing special effects. Like it still freaked me out. Um, knowing, even knowing, besides, like how how you do something like that, it's an image that's been in my mind for so long. It's like, oh, that was really crazy cool how they did that. So, pretty much that whole end part of the act, the end act of the movie. You oh, also yeah. really liked the father son bond. Was there anything you wanted to add about that? No, I've been adding along. I think the the best thing I could say is the whole most interesting man in the world thing i think tim did a really good job of, of, of um that. i was gonna say as far as influences go i was just re-watching the da vinci code and it's so much oh indiana jones stuff. when they're in the library i thought of the da vinci code because the da vinci code 
than the museum. Has, has, yeah, the museum and all of that. And all of this, the, the way he's solving puzzles and fixing things, and he's, you know, they're just going on a bit of an adventure. I mean, he's not the sort of adventurous person that Indiana Jones is, but very simple. What is that guy? Tied in, t- he's like a um, symbol, whatever the people call him. Yeah, he's another academic that should not be swept up in these adventures. So he is basically Indiana Jones, except for less, like you said, of the action part of it naturally. Um, Okay, well, you guys are getting into what my favorite thing is. Um, Obviously, I've been gushing about Sean Connery because that I think he is the star of this, even though Harrison Ford, of course, is great. Um, But my favorite thing is literally my favorite scene was when Sean Connery is like, well, when I can't figure it out, I just sit down and the, yeah. the chair tilts back and that staircase, like that circle, it's just like a circle with lines in it. And then it turns into a staircase. And I just, I loved that. And it ties into all of the other fun, like hidden clues. You've got hidden, like a rotating doorway, all of these trinkets, um, X marks the spot. I like puzzles, and so this is really fun for me to like you know adventure you also through this like stuff. Is escape room, yeah, and it's got it's kind of got those sort of tropey escape room things in it. Exactly, yeah. and it also reminded me, Kenan. Remember when we were playing in those castles in Denmark, and like one thing you were talking about was the way that those circle stairs, like yeah. they're like aimed at a way that it, whoever is above has an upper hand, and it's really hard to like fight. Yeah, the, the, the way the turn goes, it makes it so if you're right-handed, you can swing your sword better if you're if you're at the top than if you're at the bottom. Um, and I, so I was thinking about that too, of like spiral stair- staircase. Also, like if anybody had to fight, anyway, really fun, so fun. Okay, is there anything else we should talk about before we rate it? Huh? No. Okay. As a standalone, Indiana Jones. And the Last Crusade. Is it a classic or are we past it? Oh, it's a classic. Classic. <laughs> Some of these are like, it's silly to even ask the question. By far. I think I oh, you agree. Think so? I think I absolutely yeah. agree. It's also probably one of my favorites from the 80s. Like, this is probably one of my favorites that we've done. It's really good. I do. I think it's the best one, too. I thought the more common opinion is that. Um, Raiders is superior. Raiders is fun. I love Raiders, but, but I think Raiders gets the extra because it was, it was such a trailblazer, right? Like it was yeah. an original thing. So Temple of Doom comes in between, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, we maybe it's not Temple of Doom isn't bad. It's just the other two are better, way better. Kenan's not a fan of like a little kid following you. Yeah, God. I don't like that. That's why I didn't. That's why I didn't like about Iron Man three. Did you see? Um, uh, not not White House Down was the other one. Uh, Olympus has, fall- has fallen. Olymp- Olympus has fallen. The best part about that movie is they get the kid out of there really quickly. Like <laughs> the movie, like like Mike Bannon has to save this kid who's left in the White House and he's the first son. And I'm like, okay, the movie's gonna revolve around him trying to keep the kid. And the kid's gonna be like this thing MacGuffin that's passed around between the bad guys. But he gets him out of the White House. In the first third of the movie, they spent the rest of the movie just killing people. And I was like, oh, this works. <laughs> this kid anymore. This kid showing up or, you know, being caught in harm's way. That's not just. That's a liability. It's got a shelf life. Yeah, Man of Fire did it. You don't need to do it anymore. Yeah. 
Uh, Man on Fire did it well, though. Like exactly. that was not bad. Okay, that's the point. We got <laughs> we got yeah. to the pinnacle, and of course, Denzel gave it to us. So, am I the only one who cried into that movie? No, I'm sure not. It was emotional. Oh man, I I didn't expect that. I'm watching Denzel murder people at the end of the movie when she runs up and she's crying and calling him Creasy Bear. I was like, oh my god, he's gonna die, and he trades himself for her. It was great. Yeah. Oh, also, I think that his son could do a good Bond. Yes, but he's black, so there's that. And not at all from the island. Yeah, not. But he's young. But not at all. From, not, not British. Not British at all. There's okay. I mean, I, <laughs> I think because of Star Wars. I think because of Star Wars, it won't happen. But before Star Wars, I was think I would think um, John Boyega. Yeah, maybe John Boyega. I don't think that he is suave enough, attractive enough. Henry, like he's never been sexy to me, but I'm also a lot older than him. Henry Golding, the guy from um, Crazy Rich Asians. Ooh. Tall enough, got the accent, tall enough, can do the action. We'll see him in Snake Eyes in a couple of months. How was Last huh? Christmas? He's in that, I mean, right? You like that movie. I went to watch it, but it's I think it's on HBO. I was like, oh my God, watch it in bed. Friends, yeah. hopefully you're enjoying all of your watching I will. I'm sad to report that we are still having Netflix issues. I've had a hard time watching titles. I don't know what's ne- going Netflix on. Netflix heard the podcast. They're like, "Oh, you got a problem with us raising our prices?" How Maybe just anymore. Maybe that's the case. Except for uh, it was happening before, mm-hmm. um, and it was also a good reminder that our Hulu. Uh, I was like, "Oh well, if I can't watch Netflix, I'm going to Hulu," and then found out somebody had stolen our Hulu. They stole our Hulu. They what went in. Mean? They went in and they changed our email. Kenan's not very good at his email. So I'm like, what is going on? So I, I do a Hulu search in his inbox and it's an email from Hulu. Like, as requested, Chuck E. Cheese 23 has been here. Chuck E. Cheese 23 is watching all the Hulu. Man. Yeah. You know what? Maybe this has been ha- happening like in spurts because remember we started getting all that Spanish language stuff on our TV? What? They finally were like, we don't like what you're watching. We're just taking it. Yeah. Either that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So it was actually helpful that Netflix wasn't working because it was a reason to go back to Hulu and change your password. Stolen Hulu. Password. Change our password. I'm also changing the email address just in general. Like, smart. Yeah, but anyway, that's what's going on. Um, Do we know how we can watch Private Benjamin? It's on HBO Max. Yes, HBO Max, friends. Hopefully, you enjoy it. Um, We will enjoy it while we're watching it on Veterans Day. And we'll talk about it next week when, Kendon, what will we be? We'll be back. Yeah.